everyone. Welcome to the I Am Cannabis Sativa podcast. I'm your host, Cannabis Sativa. If you're currently a medical marijuana patient and want to tell your story and be featured on the podcast, feel free to email me at IamCannabisSativa at gmail.com. Feel free to hit me up on Instagram at IamCannabisSativa. Feel free to check out our official Twitter account at Podcast. You can also find and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Anchor FM, Stitcher, and the Google Play Music Store. Please rate and review us on iTunes as rating and reviewing us will bump up the pod on their algorithm and put this podcast in front of even more eyeballs. If you like what we are doing, please become a Patreon and support us. We are planning on doing big things with our humble little projects such as going to trade shows, visiting other MMJ or recreational states, and doing on-field work. By supporting us, this helps us to keep the lights on, pay for rent, pay for hosting, equipment, and travel. And you can do this by going to https colon slash slash anchor dot fm slash I am cannabis sativa podcast slash support. Again, that is https colon slash slash anchor dot fm slash I am Cannabis Sativa podcast slash support. So I have another very good episode for you guys. Um, I interviewed another Florida MMJ patient um, by the name of Noah Smith. Um, We had a pretty good conversation. We talked about, um, no particular order, um, the uh, prospects for Florida legalizing in 2020. Um, We talked about vertical integration and how that's stifling and and making the market less than ideal over in Florida for patients, you know, for people wanting to be pioneers in the industry. You know, it's very much pay to play over there. Um, we also talked about um, we talked about his um, we we talked about his activism and we talked about um, we talked about how um, you know the most dangerous part of um, of, of having cannabis isn't the cannabis itself but getting caught with it and we talked about his his story with um with 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 the law and, and all that and i really think you're gonna like what we have in store for you guys and and um yeah so without further ado here's the interview um so how so how many like dispensaries would you say that there are in in florida uh, in the entire state of Florida, I'm not entirely sure. If I were a betting man, I'd say it's probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 or less between every brand. It's not a really dense population of dispensaries. So I'd imagine that you're like like having to drive like considerable distances to sort of get what you need, right? Or yeah, I actually just moved into Jacksonville proper, uh, kind of in the middle of the city. Before that, I was 45 minutes out. So anytime I needed to visit a dispensary, I was looking at, with traffic, probably an hour in each direction. And then with the way that they have the system set up in Florida, are you kind of familiar with how they built things down here? Because it's, it's pretty unusual compared to most medical states. Um, yeah, I mean, I have an idea. Um, I've, I've, I've heard that, um, okay, so they sort of capped the licenses, but then I read something yesterday saying that the that like one of like the judges uncapped like true leave or whatever was suing to get rid of the cap on, on licenses and they were able to do that i think yesterday 
And um, I heard something about, um, like, in Florida, like, they have this system called vertical integration. Like, I just listened to a podcast mm-hmm. about it. And, um, like, the, it sort of, it makes it makes it so, like, these companies have to do all the work themselves instead of, like, having, like, like let's say a grower or supplier, other suppliers, and that jacks up the prices, obviously. And then the no smoke, which... I mean, I, I'm sure almost every medical patient in the U.S. has heard. Yeah. It's a, no smoke is honestly just the tip of the iceberg with the problems that we've had in Florida. Um, if I'm just being honest with you, the way that I look at it, I think that the Rick Scott administration, I don't think there's any other way to describe it than that they did everything in their power to sabotage the medical marijuana program in Florida. Because if you look at the effects of what they did, there's a couple things they did that kind of made it a perfect storm to make patients' lives more difficult. So by capping the licenses, they made it so that patients can't really have easy access to medicine because there's only so many licenses, they don't want to give them out, they take forever to approve them to the point where the different people who are applying for the licenses are having to take them to court and sue them to make them process their application. So you look around and you wonder why there's no dispensaries. It's because they don't want there to be dispensaries, and that's why they limit the licenses. So there's no access to medicine. Vertical integration means that they have to grow their own product, process their own product, shore it, uh, sip, uh, like ship it from one location to another, uh, dispense it. Every single facet of the transaction from seed to sale has to be handled by the same company, which drives their prices through the roof. Their expenses go up because they have to do everything. So you have no availability, you have high prices, and then the last nail that they tried to put in the coffin of medical marijuana was that they did the smoking ban, which was their little coup de grace. So even if somehow you managed to get a medical card, you managed to find a dispensary, and you get in there and you find that you can even afford the product in the first place, you're still in trouble because you have to get a bunch of different products that your average recreational or black market user has never heard of before. Yeah, um, I, I was like, um, I saw something about how True Leaf has these, like, they put the the flower in these like like ceramic jails or whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, that that blew my mind. Um, I mean, I know if like like I've 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 said this with the other person I talked to about um, the pro- Florida's program. Like I said that like I like. If I lived in Florida, like I like, I mean, I'd, I'd have to go to the black market because, as as a, as a patient myself, I I find that flour gives me the biggest bang for my buck. Like I would, mm-hmm. like as I get older, like I would I would want to go into like tinctures and vaping, but it's mm-hmm. just it's just too expensive. Even up here in Massachusetts, you know, um, we pay like fifteen a gram a gram here, and um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For medical, yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Down here, you're looking at 55 for an eighth. You're looking at up to $96 for a one gram vape cartridge. Yeah, that's the about. The down here are insane. Yeah, that's about how much it is here. Like one one gram is like a hundred bucks, and like like half grams are like 50 to 60. And I'm like, no, I, I but can't. Colorado or California, you can walk into literally any dispensary and find a half G cartridge, some fire distillate for 35, 40 bucks easy. But that's because those systems are set up very differently. 
Yeah. It's it's just it's sort of like it's sort of sad and ridiculous that like these companies um the like they're price gouging like like patients like you have pe they're like there are elder I'm sure there are elderly people on like social security or on or disabled people who are Very on much so. Yeah. Yeah, Florida is kind of the part of the country where everybody goes to retire. And I'm relatively young, I'm 32, but I go to a dispensary and nine times out of 10, I am the youngest person in the room. It's uh, usually the the average age, I would say is 55 and up. Wow. And yeah. that to me, that's why I think personally, there's a really, really good chance that the uh, recreational bill that they're pushing around for 2020, I think it has a solid chance. Because the medical bill, even with all of the things they did to kind of hamstring it and hinder it, it's gotten to the point now where there's enough patients that have enough access to it that I think those patients are going to have enough of an effect outreach-wise just building out into the community and changing opinions. Once you get the baby boomers on board with it, everything else falls into place. Yeah, like, um, I... Like what I notice is that like, like when I in in Massachusetts it's, it's a lot of the same way too. Like I'm, like I'm usually the youngest person at at any given point, and it, like I, I've told like my, my family this that you know it's not just young people that go and, and and buy. It's a lot of older people. But it just it just blows my mind that like, you know, you see so many older people at dispensaries. But like like up here in Mass, like I mean, we just did rec we just legalized. I mean, our first stores just opened, I think, November, and um, but even here, you had all these local governments and city governments banning it. So if 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 I'm the youngest person at a dispensary, and like if I'm like the youngest person there, how comes how comes there are still all these older people, you know, still banning these dispensaries or? you know putting delays and just i don't know i mean maybe they're not the same maybe they're not the same groups of people i'm guessing but it's something i've I've noticed yeah and that's one of the other things that i think is uh an unfortunate consequence of just the way that people are it's easy to demonize something you're not familiar with until you find yourself in a situation where you need it yeah I like um my and to, to to piggyback off that point, I was listening like like at work like I, I I have like podcasts like in the background and I was listening to like the Leafly podcast and um like one of the guys they were interviewing was like a dispensary owner in Arizona and um he was talking about how um how marijuana sort of helps his uh, no how it it helps his uh epileptic epileptic daughter's um seizures like it helps calm down the seizures and then mm. and then cbd in particular is amazing for that yeah and then he was saying that like like you know prior to his daughter needing it or whatever like he he didn't really like cannabis and he was like he he was a conservative republican and still is so so let me get this straight with this guy so this guy was spending most of his adult life voting for for people that were tough on crime and tough tough on drugs and then and then once his daughter needs it now he you know he's supportive of it and it's, it's, a, it's a, it goes off to your point that you know people only care about something when it personally affects them you know mm -hmm. 
And I think that's the other thing that needs to happen for the tide to finish turning. I, I, I do get that sense that public opinion has kind of crossed the Rubicon at this point. I don't think it's going to slow down or turn back. But I think the, the final thing that needs to happen is for people who are not necessarily interested or like in a medical situation to need cannabis, but regular people, especially business people, people in industry who are not cannabis users, to recognize that there's money to be made. Totally agree with that. Um, so like, so what, what made you want to become a medical marijuana patient? Uh, it's kind of a long process. So my whole relationship with cannabis kind of go, came and went in two phases. So like most people, when I moved out of the house and went to college, I discovered this wonderful new plant and had amazing fun with it and was a very heavy recreational user, like a wake-and-bake stoner for years and years. And during that point in my life, I was actually a pretty outspoken advocate for the plant. Uh, I didn't really hide any aspect of it. I was kind of a loud and proud uh, cannabis user. And uh, then the whole criminalization aspect of it caught up with me, and I ended up uh, getting arrested uh, for cannabis. And uh, that was a nightmare. And thanks to that whole process, I now have a uh, pretty well-entrenched uh, case of PTSD. And cannabis is the only thing that i found that actually gets me to a point where I'm not having panic attacks on a regular basis. Uh, it's, it's not cannabis by itself. Uh, I've had to do some other stuff. I spent a couple years in talk therapy, uh, SSRIs and that kind of thing. But without the, the CBD, without the different things that I get specifically from indica strains, I don't know what it is, but I've found that for, especially for PTSD, anxiety and panic attacks, nothing else quite gets the job done. But that was kind of the final piece of the puzzle I needed to get myself to a point where I kind of felt like I was the best version of myself. And uh, I started using cannabis again for the first time after my arrest in uh, 2014, I want to say. And between that and the other stuff that I've done with my doctor, in that amount of time, I have lost 100 pounds of weight. I've gone from having a sedentary lifestyle where I had uh, problems with my lower back to right now I've started training in martial arts and I actually uh, went to my first competition a month ago. Uh, I've opened my own business and uh, I just closed on purchasing my first home. Wow. And I honestly don't think I could have done any of that if I didn't have that tool in my arsenal to help keep my mind right. It's amazing. And despite all of that, I still have not told my parents or my family or really anyone other than my close circle of friends that I'm a patient. So depending on how many people are listening to this podcast, there's a very good chance that people are going to find out right here. So if you're listening to this, Mom and Dad, hi. <laughs> yeah, this is, that's fascinating. It just, like, I've I've always heard the saying that, like, the most dangerous thing about marijuana isn't necessarily the mar- necessarily the marijuana, but it's getting caught with it. And mm-hmm. yeah, anytime you have a situation where the thing you're trying to protect people from is less dangerous than your protection, that's an issue. Indeed. Um. So, 
So with regards to the sort of piggyback on, on that question, um, like how did like your close friends and, and family react to like your activism? Were they like supportive or were they sort of making pot shots or anything like that? Honestly, when I was kind of more out and proud about it, I really didn't get a lot of pushback because even at that point before I got arrested, I uh, I just kind of moved to a new city and I started back into college. I was on the dean's list. I was making straight A's. I had just gotten hired on at a really cushy job. I was making good money. Um, my life was kind of exactly where I needed it to be before the whole prohibition kind of caught up and set me back a little bit. And I went through a couple of years where I had to you know, sort out all the legal repercussions of that, the mental repercussions of that, and everything else that goes along with it. Cause I'm here to tell you that it'll it'll change every aspect of your life. It's a it's it's a whole thing you got to deal with. But once I got through the other side of it, and I was kind of able to get to a place where I wasn't nervous to go back to using the medicine, it uh I just got right back to where I was, and I started doing what I was doing the first time. Got back into educating myself making more money and just living my best life. So are there like any like 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 when you when you use cannabis are there are there any forms you prefer? Like do you are you more of like a um do you, do you vaporize flour or are you more of like a vape vape cart or tincture sort of person? <laughs> I actually have not tried tinctures yet. That's kind of one of the things that's uh, on my agenda to try. And that's something that's kind of been interesting for me as a patient in Florida. I grew up, well, grew up is wrong. I didn't start smoking until I was in my 20s. But I came up from the days of just rolling blunts and smoking bongs, just old school stoner, just weed technology. And then to go from that to the Florida system where you can't get flour unless you do it in these crazy little cups at crazy prices that I'm not trying to fool with, or you have all of these other exotic products that a lot, I'm sure there are a lot of users like me that have never tried before. Like I had never tried Shatter before I was a medical patient. I had never tried uh, like medical vape carts. I didn't know the difference between food grade terpenes or cannabis derived terpenes, different extraction methods. And it's one of those things where I don't really mind it necessarily because I kind of consider myself to be a weed nerd. It's something I enjoy learning about. but. I can see as a new patient, if you were foreign to all of this culture and you didn't have the time to just kind of sit down on YouTube and just nerd out and learn all of this stuff, it's a really overwhelming array of products. And it's been my experience that your average bud tender, your average person working in a head shop doesn't necessarily have the information to really educate people effectively. I've had to kind of spend a lot of my time just on YouTube, on Reddit just Googling, finding different information, just cobbling together what I need to understand what they're even selling me. Yeah, um, so, yeah, so that's, like, that's kind of why I, I, I started this podcast. Like, um, I, I realized there's, that there's, like, that there's a lot of people, like, 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 not so much like us that were kind of used it and kind of had some background, but there's, like, a lot of people that, you know, that are in their 40s and 50s that haven't used since maybe their college days or high school days and you know they're fed up with pharmaceuticals and um and they they want to be able to try medical marijuana for their for their things but 
because they haven't done it in so long, they're just so rusty and so skittish about it. So I'm trying to sort of mm-hmm. ease them with, with what I do with my podcast and try to make it accessible for them. But it's like, I don't know. It's just, it just feels like there's like, th- like there's just the swing cannabis user that doesn't necessarily buy reefer madness, but there's, mm. but because their social networks don't use like, you know, it's like, there's like inertia, you know? Yeah, I can see that definitely being a factor. And I will say that for me, this is the first time I've even lived in a medical state. So the whole dispensary culture, medical marijuana, all of that's pretty new to me. But I don't think that there's any quicker way you can kind of dispel the, the stereotypes that people can have in their brain of what a cannabis patient looks like. If you need to dispel that notion, the fastest way to do it is you sit in any dispensary waiting room for one afternoon and just watch who's coming and going. Because I think there's some people out there that kind of have that notion that, oh, well, this is kind of a stepping stone. People are really just, you know, getting a prescription because they want to go home and have their jollies, which I have no problem with that in the first place because I think it should be legal anyways. But if that's what people think, just go sit in the dispensary lobby and watch the people that come in. Uh, I literally went to the True Leave in Jacksonville today, and I'm sitting in the lobby, and A, I'm the youngest person there by about 20 years. There's people there that obviously have emphysema. There's people that are there with uh, oxygen bags. This one guy rolled in there on this Optimus Prime-looking transformer hover chair thing because it looked like he couldn't move a single muscle in his body. And that was the only thing he could find that would make him feel better. And to be candid, it kind of infuriates me to think that there are people who, in their hubris and ignorance, would try to stand between that guy and the thing he needs to live. Yeah, it's it just it just makes me like it just makes me sad that like like yeah. like there's like people will let let their own ignorance sort of block other people's improving their own lives and and stuff. But um, but what but um, but something that just sort of concerns me is that like like. I mean, it's one thing if you and I can legally use medical marijuana in our respective states, but it, it just bothers me that someone in Mississippi or someone in South Dakota doesn't, like, if, if, if they medicate, you know, they can get thrown in jail. And that's that's a huge part part of what motivates yeah. me every every day to do this podcast. Yeah, it's a, it's a thing that's been a big issue for the past couple of years, but the more that I pay attention to what's been happening, especially in the state of Florida, the more encouraged I am at where things are going to head in the future. Um, especially for me, I grew up in Massachusetts, uh, all the way on the west half of the state, which is potentially the most liberal place on the face of planet Earth. Like right totally there, is. Like college and all that, yeah. And for, for me to come from that background, like I basically consider myself like a bleeding heart, liberal, pinko, commie, whatever you want to call me. And I'm sitting here cheering on Ron DeSantis, who is absolutely like the right wing Trump guy, whatever you want to call him. And yet he and I pretty much agree on where this thing needs to go as far as medical marijuana in Florida. His first day in office. He threw down the gauntlet and made the legislature go back and start reevaluating the mess that they had made. And even if you put Ron DeSantis aside, Nikki Freed, who is our new uh, director of agriculture for the state of Florida, she is a former medical marijuana lobbyist and a uh, Democrat 
the only Democrat actually serving elected office uh, on a statewide level in Florida, to my knowledge. And she is working hand-in-glove with DeSantis to get this thing sorted out. You can tell they're very much on the same page with it. And uh, that gives me a lot of hope for this thing moving forward because it seems like we've moved to a place as a society where it's, it's not a partisan issue anymore. The funny thing about that is, um, like... Like here in Massachusetts, like our governor, like like I checked out the normal website. Our gov, like the governor we have, he has a D from normal, but DeSantis has like a B plus or something like that. It's crazy. Like I, I honestly, I was rooting so hard for Andrew Gillum during that whole govern the governor race, and uh, I, I did not vote for DeSantis. But honestly, like just based on his first thirty days in office, I, I can't say I would have been sad if I had. Indeed, but yeah, it's 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 crazy how like bipartisan this sort of thing has gotten. Like especially, especially among like young Republicans. Like I think there's one um congressman, I think Matt Gates of um he's from Florida, I think too, and he's been spearheading marijuana reform whenever whenever he had the chance. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things you've seen in Florida, especially if you're looking at the Republican Party. There's definitely been kind of a a changing of the guard, and you've seen these, you know, your Rick Scott figures kind of get moved to the side, and you you see these people that are more willing to kind of meet people in the middle, and uh, it's it's winning them friends. Indeed. Um. So, so um. So. I- so you know with the fact that there's like a smoking ban and like there's only like tinctures concentrates and vape pens um mm-hmm. do do people like is like the cost like a big issue for you and people you know and do you know oh, people 100%. that have gone back to the black market uh, out of all of my friends i am the only person that i am aware of that actually goes and buys from a dispensary Um, Now, I don't ask people where they get their things. I'm not here to put other people's business into the world, but I do know what the black market prices look like around here, and in my experience, they're usually about a 50% discount on what you could actually find at a dispensary, which is sad. And the other thing that's sad about it is going back to the whole thing with uh, those ridiculous bait cups that they put out there. At least when you're buying on the black market, your neighborhood weed man will at least give you the weed in a container that you can see and look at and know what it is that you're buying. Uh, with those little vape cups that are quote-unquote tamper-proof until you accidentally drop them on the floor. Whoops. You have no idea what you're actually getting. You don't know what the quality of the medicine looks like. And you see these horror stories on Reddit and Facebook sometimes where people will accidentally drop one of their vape cups on the floor bust it open and find you know rocks bits of plastic shrink wrap human hairs lord knows what in there because they're they're trying to force this stupid system in there just to i honestly i don't see any benefit of other than just making patients lives a little bit more difficult so um i i was reading like an article like um the other day and um like the speaker of the house in florida he's against like like um lifting the smoking ban and what i read about him is that he works for he, he owns he's a ceo of a, a, of a cigar a, company yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah pot to kettle come in kettle <laughs> definitely 
That's, that's nuts. Like, I mean, like, what what do people think of this guy? Are people trying to, like, primary him or get rid of him? or? I honestly, the, that whole story that came out is the first thing that I've heard about the guy. But the thing that's encouraging to me is every single think piece I had on it, I didn't see one person with a hot take that's like, yeah, he's right, tobacco up, weed down. Every article I read was like, this guy needs to smoke some weed so he can start having better ideas. <laughs> Definitely. And um so is there like is there sort of like a push to um to to for like homegrown Florida? Sorta of, kinda of yes and no. Um I think the way that I would answer it is I think that there is, but there's not as much of one as there should be. Um the thing that's weird about the medical cannabis community in Florida is that as far as I can tell, there's really not much of a cannabis community in Florida. Like, patients down here, as far as I can tell, are really not networked together in any meaningful sense. Um, like I said, I, I consider myself to be a prototypical stoner in a lot of senses. I hang out with a lot of people that smoke weed, and I don't know anybody that actually goes to a dispensary and purchases uh, just because of those issues. Um, so I think that home grow is something that absolutely should be a priority. Now, the one thing that's really encouraging, uh, DeSantis has kind of been wishy-washy and iffy about it. He hasn't really committed one way or the other. But one of the big political players uh, nationwide, but primarily in Florida, is John Morgan. He's an attorney that kind of goes back and forth between Florida and up north. But he was one of the main financial backers of the bill that actually got us our medical program in 2016. And he has sponsored another bill that's going to be coming out hopefully in 2020, as long as they can get enough signatures on the ballot in time, uh, that will do a full recreational legalization with uh, permissions for home grow explicitly written into the bill. And this John Morgan, he has been going to press events with DeSantis, with Nikki Freed, uh, giving speeches together. So it's not news to DeSantis that he's sponsoring this bill, and he hasn't come out against it yet. So I'm very, very hopeful that that's something that's going to happen in the future. But it's one of those things that there's just not a lot of conversation about because, for whatever reason, patients in Florida don't tend to uh, network together in that way. Fascinating. Um, so I know I so um so um when I when I like drive to and from work, I actually see John Morgan signs. So even Massachusetts, mm -hmm. I've heard of him. Yeah, I believe he's actually licensed in Massachusetts. I think it's Massachusetts, New York, and Florida. Wow, did not know that. Yeah, the man gets around, and he's throwing all of his money behind giving me recreational. So shout out to John Morgan. Yeah, he's like the patron saint of, like, marijuana right now. <laughs> yeah, well, and to, you know, circle it all the way back to what we were talking about earlier, John Morgan is the perfect example of what you were talking about with uh, something being hard to relate with until it happens to you. Uh, as far as I know, he does not smoke or use cannabis in any form whatsoever, but the whole reason why he got into his advocacy, as I understand, and I don't want to misquote him, I'm going off of memory, is that he had a family member who got really, really sick, and the only thing that was able to help them was marijuana. And seeing somebody he loved go through that was enough to change his mind and light that fire in him to try to make some change so that it wouldn't have to happen that way in the future. And I guess sort of my, like my last question for you, 
Um, so could you like briefly like describe like the process to to get a medical marijuana card in Florida? Um, like are there like are there sort of doctors' offices that are that tend to, that are better to go to or that give higher milligram allotments and um, or do they need paperwork to sort of get it? Uh, that's one of those things that, thanks to the way that they've set it up in Florida, is very, very different depending on where you go. So I, the way I got my medical card was honestly pretty streamlined compared to what a lot of people go through, and it was still kind of a, a weird, arbitrary process. So I got a recommendation from my general practitioner, who I was working with with the, you know, the depression medication and all that kind of stuff. And he referred me to a company called DocMJ. They're one of the bigger network uh, doctor, provider, whatever you want to call them, in Florida. They have offices all over the place. So I got the referral from my general practitioner to go see another doctor who I've never met before. So I drive out, go to the appointment. I kind of you know, go over my medical history with her, uh, go over the history of my usage of cannabis, you know, my experience level, and that kind of thing. And uh, she, I have no idea what kind of documentation my doctor sent over to her or if he sent her anything at all. But just based on that and whatever documentation she had, she went ahead and approved me on the spot. And that's where the convenient part of getting a medical card in Florida kind of ends. So up until then, it's pretty easy. So you book your appointment with the doctor. Uh, you can pay for it in advance. I think like the total price for everything, it's like, 179 for the doctor's visit and then the state of Florida takes 75 every year to actually issue the card and uh, after you get your recommendation from the doctor you go online you pay that $75 fee and then you just wait and wait and wait and wait and wait so in my experience it took nine ten days just for them to process the credit card payment for my card and then it took another about two weeks for them to go through whatever they needed to go through and finally approve me. But start to finish, it was almost a month between my doctor's appointment and me just getting the email that let me go to a dispensary. And uh, during that whole time, it's not like there's really anything you can do like to read about, like, hey, what's happening with my thing? Like you're just sitting there just, just praying and waiting for that email to show up. And the office that's in charge of that, the OMMU, I believe it's the Office of Medical Marijuana, I have no idea what the U stands for, but they've kind of been hamstrung in the past by just being underfunded and understaffed by the Rick Scott administration, so I kind of had it easy. There's a lot of horror stories in the past couple of years of people taking 30, 45 days just to get approved and actually get their card. So, like, I, I've, so I've heard and I've read some that, like, I think you just alluded to it just a few seconds ago that like the way they structured like the system in Florida like they don't they don't have enough doctors and nurse practitioners to to meet the demand because I've read that you guys already reached 200,000 patients which which is yeah, pretty so amazing of speed and, well, and the other thing that's kind of helping that along is uh, with all of the stuff that the previous administration did to kind of screw with the, with the medical marijuana program one of the things they did to kind of just gum up the gears a little bit is dispensaries can't sell products until the OMMU approves the product. So you look at when did we legalize uh, medical? I think 2016. Since 2016, we have had legal access to edibles 
written into the Florida Constitution. You still can't buy an edible at a, any Florida dispensary to this day because the OMMU still, three years later, hasn't gotten around to figuring out how to regulate edibles. It's just not a priority for them to do their job, even though that's the only job they have to do. So wow. that's how it's been in the past, and I'm very, very excited about the things that are happening with that department now because I feel like Nikki Freed is going to shake that up a lot. Uh, she actually just had a news conference this afternoon, to my understanding, um, announcing that she has filled a new position in her uh, department, the Department of Agriculture, uh, directly under her, the Florida Director of Cannabis, which is a phrase that I just never get tired of saying out loud. Pretty awesome. <laughs> the Director yeah. of Cannabis. The Director of Cannabis. It'd be such an awesome, like, business card. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, so Noah, are, are there any, like, um, so, so where can we find you in, like, social media and, and all of that? I am really not on a whole lot of social media at the moment. Um, I am getting ready to start my own website. Uh, so when that gets started, it's going to be at uh, sunshinechronicle.com. And uh, I will be posting news and musings about the state of the medical marijuana industry in Florida in the next couple of weeks. Awesome. I really appreciate you taking the time to, um, to, to, to talk with me and stuff. I, I, I really, really appreciate it. No problem. It's been a pleasure. You have a, you have a great rest of your night. You do the same. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.